Peloton. The locust ate that. You know, like if you have a locust or you have something that came and tried to tear up and eat your crop um, and you'd be like, oh my goodness, I could have had all this back then. I could have, if I would have just had some of this teaching or, or some of this knowledge of God at that time, I wouldn't have had this happen. But God will restore to you years that the locust has taken or the, or the pestilence has taken. Anything that's in your past that is not, um, you can see now, is not what it was supposed to be, you can ask God to restore those years to you and restore that time to you, and he will. Because time does not work like we think, and time is, is, our, is, is here to help us. So even though we see things in our life and we're like, well, that didn't, I wish I knew more then. God, can you restore that time to me? And he will restore it all to you. So there's nothing missing from him. There, he doesn't lose anything. He doesn't miss anything. There's not anything where he goes, oh, oh, where, where'd this thing go? It's missing. He knows where everything is and he restores it all. He is a great restorer. He, 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 he restores. And even in scriptures, it talks about places where there's been desolation. He will restore wasted places, places where there's desolation, places where there's deserts. He will cause oasis to appear in the desert. He does this stuff. This is his thing. <laughs> I would say, what, what's your thing? Well, I have a thing, but God's thing is miracles and restoring stuff. <laughs> he creates, but he also restores. Mm-hmm. Now, now, some things um, needed to be destroyed <laughs> because they weren't good for us. Mm-hmm. And they didn't need to be there. They didn't need to be in our lives. And some of those things that are destroyed, and we look back and say, I wish they were still here, you should ask the Lord or whether they should have been there or not, because some of those things were not good. And so sometimes we can be thankful that those things are gone. Be like, hey, those years are gone, that thing is gone, and I'm so thankful for that. Was there good during that time? There was, but that thing wasn't good. And we could be thankful for those. But there are some things in our lives and we say, you know, I wish I could get back years. Well, I will tell you, the years that you have have been given to you from the Lord, and he can restore things in your life that you feel like have been missing. God, certain things have been missing in my life. So part of the message of the gospel isn't just that God loves us now, it's that God loved us then. He loved us during those times where we didn't know him. We weren't aware of him. We hadn't thought about him. He was still there. He didn't ever go somewhere and disappear. Oh, you're not thinking about me. Well, then I'm taking off. Nope, he's still there. He's still right there. His heart is a heart of love for us. He wants to restore things in our lives, things that we may have opened the door to that we shouldn't have. He will show us, close this door. I will restore this in this area. There are paths that God has set before us, important paths, paths of healing, restoration, prosperity. God is about prosperity. He prospers stuff. Things that are good, he makes more of them. Things that are bad, he destroys <laughs> because they're bad. You know, like, hey, I'd like a whole, I'd like a whole bunch of weeds. God's like, you do not want weeds. They, they take all the nutrients out of the ground and nothing good can come out of them. They don't, and they just duplicate themselves. You know, if you take the gardening concept, gardening is a good spiritual exercise. If you think about plants and garden, sowing, reaping, all that kind of stuff, think about how the earth responds and then you'll start to see spiritual concepts. Why is that? God put them there for, so that you would understand how things work in the spirit. That's why, that's why we have it work like this. Because 
could God not just say trees and then there, there they all are grown? You know, forest, done, this, done. No, but he, he didn't do it that way. He did, you plant a seed, you water it, you put sun on it, it grows. Seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. Every single time, seed, time, harvest. Why? He wants us to see how it works in the spirit. Because in the natural, this is a, this is a, a shadow of the, of the spirit. So you can see what it looks like. So when people are waiting for things to happen, oh God, I want this to happen tomorrow. I want this. Okay, we're going to believe God that it happens tomorrow. Well, you can't believe God that it happens tomorrow. You need to let the, the, the nourishment of the Spirit come upon it so that it would reap in its season. You don't want things. Now, can you get things out of season? You can, because you can just call them forth. Maybe you need it now. <laughs> and so then, trees, forest, you know? In other words, with God, nothing is impossible. But you do see these concepts of growth. So you knew you had a miracle. Why is that? Because it happened instantly. You know, can a nation be born in a day? Apparently it can. Apparently these things do happen. And why is that? Because you've decided to reach out beyond yourself. But you also have these concepts. How do you know that it was a miracle? Because you know about seed time and harvest. You know you got something instantly. How did you get it instantly? <laughs> because God gave it to you. Because he's the creator of all things. So you have different la layers, okay, of, of truth. Okay, so one layer of truth is seed time and harvest. Another layer of truth is instantaneous miracle. For example, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Well, how much wheat was harvested to feed the 5,000? None. How many more fish were fished for to feed the 5,000? Nobody fished for any, nobody went fishing for any additional fish. He took five loaves and two fish and fed five, fed 5,000. And he fed 2,000 another time with five loaves and two fish. Nobody sowed wheat and nobody went fishing, but everybody got fed. Miracle, right? So you have a truth and then you have a higher truth, okay? So why was that? Because somebody acted on it. Somebody broke the bread right? Somebody broke the bread. Who broke the bread? Jesus broke the bread. Jesus is the bread that was broken, by the way. He, I mean, again, when Jesus fed the 5,000, that's, that's prophetic. He broke the bread. He fed the world. His body was broken for us. He broke it. He put it in. The, and when you reach in the basket, there's bread. There's fish. You see? You had to go and reach in the basket as you, as you reached in and you pulled out the bread. That bread is Jesus. It was one bread loaf that was broken for many. That's prophetic. That's what Jesus was showing us when he fed the 5,000. Okay? So what you have in your house, what you have in you and in your house, because you're a house, right? I live in a house, but you are a house. Again, that's why you have a house, because you are a house. The natural is the shadow of the spiritual. You are a house. Well, who lives in your house? You do. Who else lives in your house? God does. There's two people that live in this house, right? God lives in my house and I live in my house. Now, should anything else live in your house? No. And that's why Jesus cast out demons because you should not have anything else in your house. <laughs> it should be you and Jesus, right? And you're one spirit with the Lord, okay? So these are things that happen. You can reach beyond the natural. You can reach beyond 
what you see are the rules that govern the natural world because you went to a higher realm in Christ. You went to a higher place within him where now you took one piece of bread and you fed the multitude, right? You can do that because you do it in Christ. Christ does it within you. So you can take something small, something that seems insignificant because it wasn't like the banker's lunch. It wasn't like the prime minister's lunch. It was a little boy. And what was the little boy's name? We don't even know his name. Who was he the little boy of? We have no idea. He loves doing stuff like that. He wants us to know that little boy is a man. He's somewhere in the cloud of witnesses surrounding us, right? He was the one. I'm the little boy that gave Jesus the bread and the fish. He did. It was my lunch. I gave it to Jesus. You, you, we're out there looking for some great man to come riding in on a horse, some, some great politician to do this, some great. And Jesus is like, oh, there's a little boy. Hey, let me see your lunch. 5,000, 2,000 with a little boy. He's teaching us how this works. It's the low, it's the humble in heart. It's the meek. It's those that come to Jesus knowing who they are and say, Jesus, this is the thing. And I honor this thing that you gave me that the world may seem to look at it and say, this is insignificant. But I know to you it's significant because I gave it to you. Now it becomes holy. Now it becomes valuable. And now Jesus can break it and use it as a prophetic message to the world to say, my body is broken to feed you all. Live off of me now, Jesus says. Don't live off of the things of the earth. They will pass away. You're going to drink water. You're going to get thirsty again. You're going to eat food. You're going to get hungry again. But if you live off of me, you will live forever. I will give you eternal life and it will never fade away. And you drink the water that I give you. It's a well, the scripture says, that springs up into eternal life. The well is the spirit. Jesus wants us to know this. Feed off of him. Live off of his love. Live off of his goodness and acceptance. Reject people that impersonate Jesus. These people that are impersonating Jesus, he does not like that. And what I mean by that is people that, that condemn you and say, Jesus condemns you. You should be ashamed. You should be the... No, Jesus does not shame you. But I did something wrong. I should be ashamed. But Jesus doesn't shame you. You know it's wrong. Jesus says, just don't do it anymore. That's all. But know that you're valuable to me. That's what he's saying. You're important to me. Don't live a life of shame. A life, because yes, those behaviors, those things you did were shameful. He knows that. But he doesn't think you are that. He knows that that behavior was not you. He knows who you really are and he speaks to you. And he gives you of his substance. How do we know this? Because if Jesus didn't think you were worth it, he wouldn't have bothered dying. He would have said, well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to get this sin out of you. Let me give you some time up in heaven. I'm talking to the angels about it. But you know what he said? He said, you're the pearl of great price. You're the, you're the, lost, you're the lost treasure in the field. You're the lost sheep. I had 99 sheep. I left all of those 99 valuable sheep. You know, shepherds, sheep are expensive for a shepherd. 
He left the 99 to go after the one. That's risky behavior. <laughs> Who's watching the 99 while I go get the one? But he did it for the one. Jesus left everything for the one. One. <laughs> he gives his life for the one. We're all about the multitudes. But Jesus broke the bread of one little boy's lunch to do the miracle. The 5,000 didn't do the miracle. The little boy did. See, this is how it works in the kingdom. It's the upside-down kingdom. The, la the first will be last. The last will be first, Jesus said. It's completely the opposite of what you think. You think he's coming in with this giant army, you know, to take over the bad guys. And in reality, it's Jesus on a donkey's cult coming into the city. <laughs> but what are they saying? Hosanna! <laughs> It's because in the spirit, the king of kings just came into Jerusalem. Yep. And now you have angels. You don't, I mean, yeah, of course, the angels are there rejoicing with the people as Jesus comes in. This is the kingdom that we're in. This is a different kingdom. And as our mind is renewed, the Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. As our mind is renewed, we start to change how we see things. We start to look with different eyes. We start to see the world with a different lens. And now we're looking out and we're seeing things with the love of God, with what his original intention is in his creation and how he's created people. What we are made to actually do has not yet been revealed. It is being revealed. So we're having a progressive understanding of what we have been brought into. But what we will be, we don't even know yet. You know that. We don't even know what we're going to look like. We have no idea. It, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, your body is like a seed. That's how different what you will be is compared to what you are now. And he, and he pointed it out. He said, he said and he, this is, he's saying why he gave this example. He said, because the plant looks nothing like the seed. You have a little seed. Well, what kind of seed is it? Well, this is a human seed. Well, what does it turn into? Wouldn't you like to know? See, so there's mysteries. This is called the mystery of the resurrection, which is happening in the future, but has already happened in the heart of God. So you can see it, but it's a mystery. So there's a seed. It's revealed by the spirit. You can't just come up with it. It's something that God tells you. It's a secret. So we have all this happening. So nothing is what it seems. Even your physical body is not what it seems. And we know this all the time. They, in science, they discover all sorts of crazy mysteries about our body. And they're like, well, I, I, you know, like, I didn't know it was like that. I mean, there's discovery. I mean, think about it. We have computers and AI and all this stuff. And they're still discovering stuff about the human body. That's just the physical side of the human body. Can you imagine what the spiritual side of the, of, of the human being is? You have to have the spirit of the Lord to reveal those things to you. There's no way you could comprehend what you can do in the spirit. We barely comprehend what we can do in the natural. They're still trying to find medicines to cure all the diseases. We haven't even figured out a catch-all medicine yet. We should, and we probably will. In the future, they'll probably have medicine that just cures every disease. And you won't have any diseases anymore. Naturally, even. That'll be the end of that. But that's coming progressively. You know, you ever watch science fiction shows and TV shows? If, 
if you ever, it, it, they had the old 60s show Star Trek. And so whenever somebody was sick, they had this little thing. It would just go up and down. And they'd be like, oh, they're okay now. <laughs> we need one of them. <laughs> just scan you. Oh, he's okay. Oh, yeah, I feel much better. Thank you. <laughs> but we, you know what I'm saying? So we don't even know what we're going to become yet. We don't even know about our bodies yet, let alone what our bodies actually are is actually a seed. So there will be a resurrection. And the scripture talks about this. In Thessalonians, you can read about the resurrection. It says those that are in the ground already come up, and then those that are not in the ground that are still awake, because it talks about going to sleep in, in, in God. Those that are still awake, we're just going to go with them. We're going to have our, our bodies change too. So everybody's bodies change in Christ. Everybody gets raised eventually, even if you didn't know about Christ. Everybody, everybody gets raised. That's a human being. Now, there are some non-human beings here, but they, they do not get raised. But all the human beings get raised, okay? So we have mysteries in the Spirit, mysteries of Christ, that are revealed to us by the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God. We should not be trying to get information from other sources than Him when it comes to us as a spirit being. Our knowledge of who we are and who we were created to be in, in, in this life and in the life to come, is revealed to us by the Spirit of God, not by our own thinking. Now, eventually it gets processed in your thinking, but it comes from your heart. It comes from understanding who Christ has made us to be. So we have this in us. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It says that. We have this treasure. What treasure? The treasure of resurrection, the treasure of Christ within, the Bible says, earthen vessels. Bodies that seem to be like, I can stub my toe, I can do this, I seem so weak. What do you mean I'm strong? See, it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Why does my body seem frail, yet I'm seeing by the Lord that I have this tremendous capability within me to be like Christ, and yet the body's frail? Why is that? Because this is just the seed. Now, the treasure that's within us can transform this. The treasure is the spirit. It can transform this physical body. Jesus went on top of a mountain. His body, the Bible says, transfigured. It transfigured. It turned into light. Pure light. And then Moses and Elijah appeared and he talked to them because Jesus was showing the three, the law and the prophets all point to the Messiah because he was transfigured on that mountain. His body was transfigured. Your body will be transfigured. All of our bodies will be transfigured just like Jesus was. But we have the first fruits. The Bible says, what's the first fruits? The spirit. The Spirit of the Lord. That was the very first thing Jesus did. When he went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the down payment for our bodies. Because we have the Holy Spirit, that is showing, I'm going to get your body too. <laughs> right now, this is where you are inside of time, and this is the condition your body's in. But I am going to give you the full deal. The full deal is the transfigured body, the raised body, the resurrected body. Well, what's the body going to look like? Well, it's going to look a lot like Jesus' body. Well, what about Jesus? What happened to him? We'll read in the Gospels what happened to Jesus. He raised. 
He could go through walls. He could appear and disappear. He can change his face and look like a different face. He can do a lot of things. And he can eat fish. He can do it all. Like physical fish. He went on the beach, ate some food with his disciples, disappeared. <laughs> so he has a body that interacts with the physical world, and yet it's an immoral body. That is the mystery of Christ. This is the biggest mystery of them all. They do all sorts of teaching. Oh, it's just spiritual. Oh, it's just a ghost. Oh, it's this and that. Oh, don't worry about the physical body. That's not important. It's just your spirit. Uh-uh. Watch that. It's the whole thing. Spirit, soul, and body. You have been bought with a price. All those in the cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us, that listen in on our teachings and listen in on when we're in the spirit with the Lord and praying and there's others there with us, that group knows this. This is the mystery of creation. How does he do it? I don't know. It's a mystery. We're going to find out, though, all of us. We're all going to see this happen, and it's going to be exciting. And you go, I remember when Jamie told me about that. I'd be like, yep. <laughs> you may be like, I remember when the Lord told me about it. It's probably what it's going to be. But it was. But you're going to remember it all because it's all in your spirit. It's in your spirit. God has so much in store for us. So there's, there's going to be a lot that we've got coming to us because the treasure's on the inside. <laughs> hey, you know what's good about the treasure being on the inside? No one can get to it. Yes. That's the best treasure. <laughs> you know, because the Jesus said, store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth rust doesn't destroy, where thieves don't come in and steal. Mm -hmm. Put that treasure. Honor the treasure on the inside. Mm -hmm. That's the best treasure. You know, we can get disappointed about stuff in the natural. Right. Maybe I have this. Maybe I have that. Today's good. You know, lots of business today. Tomorrow didn't have as much business. I had this. You know, we do, we do this thing. Up and down stock market. We, you know, I mean, all that. That's kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. But what about the treasure on the inside? Am I saying you shouldn't be in the stock market? I'm in the stock market. Everybody, should. why not? You should invest, you know? But where do I put my treasure? My treasure's in here. You see, that's the real treasure. And anybody who invests and anybody who does anything like that should understand that. The treasure's in earthen vessels. The treasure is the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one. It's all about him. It is. When we accept Jesus, we say, Jesus, you are my Savior. You are the Lord of my life. You, have, you are welcome in this home. He comes right in. And sometimes we aren't sure because we think, maybe there's some other things I've got to do. But it's really just that acceptance of him that does it. And you say, well, maybe I forgot. I need to do it again. Well, maybe you forgot. You need to do it again. Do it again. But... But Jesus didn't forget you. <laughs> it's just your remembrance of him. Yeah. You know, we want to make sure our treasure is in heaven, but it's Christ that put the treasure in heaven, not us. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that's a tough one sometimes to understand because we've been taught that a lot of this that we have in our lives is because of our effort, including spiritual things. Right. But spiritual things don't come as a result of our effort. Spiritual things can only be given to us by the Lord. He's the one that delivers it. We're the one that accepts it. So the question is, is did you sign for the package? I did. 
you have the package. It's Christ in you. You do good, you do bad. That didn't determine whether God gave you his, his life. He gave you his life. Actually, the Bible says when you did the worst things, that's when he died. So when you did the good things, that's not it. I, did, I, was a good, I was a good Christian today. Jesus probably died for my sins. No, when you were not, when you were lost in the darkness of your own mind, doing things that are unspeakable, Christ died for you. He bore your sin, your sin in his body. He's the one that did it. You didn't bear the sin in his, in his body. He bore it. He bore your sin. He took your pain. He took your rejection, your condemnation, your shame. He, put, he took it all on himself. When they teach that you have to do something to receive Jesus, that's not the gospel. Jesus gave himself for you. You are the one that just receives it. I mean, you're not doing something to receive it. You're just receiving it. There's not like extra effort. People put roadblocks up to try to keep people out of this. And all that works is what that is. Those are roadblocks to keep people from thinking, well, I have a good relationship with God, but maybe not a great relationship with God because I did this thing, but then I did that thing, so that was good. So maybe the good outweighed the bad, and the bad outweighed the good. Well, no, last year the bad might have outweighed the good. I don't That All that thinking is all just vanity. It's just vain. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus is the one that took us. So he's more like, I'm here now. <laughs> I'm here now. I receive you now. I love you now. Your past is covered in my blood. It's washed away by my blood. It, I cleanse you. I make you holy. Jesus makes us holy. He, he knows where we are, and he's the one that makes us holy. He's the one that makes us righteous. Our works don't do it. It's him who does it. So the more that we are aware of that, the more we can encounter that and have experiences with him in that way. The, le the more we think it's about us, the less we will experience because us is not going to be strong enough to do it. We can't, re we can't get our own righteousness by the things that we do. The Bible says if you do one thing wrong, you break it all. Like if you, if you break one law, you broke all the law. So even if you did like 99.9% .9 of it, 100% spot on, whatever the rules were, you got to pray three times, you got to read these scriptures, you got to do these things, you got to be a part of this organization, that organization, you got to give this much money, you got to lead 17 people to the Lord every three days, you got to click, 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 that, and then, good morning, Lord, I got to go to work. Those two guys, just as accepted by God. Exactly the same to him because he loves them both the same. So all of our works add nothing to that. Now, do good works give you stuff? Yeah, it's good seed sown, absolutely. You get a harvest, cool stuff. You know, it's fun to do this. Yeah. It's something that you enjoy doing, right. and it's something you do in the Lord, and there's a harvest of righteousness that comes from it, but it doesn't make you any more accepted by God. It doesn't make you any more in or out. Everybody's in. <laughs> and I know people don't like it when you say that, but they are everybody's in that's the message of the gospel you're all in everyone's accepted into the kingdom there is no requirement of the requirement there was a requirement you know what the requirement was death <laughs> your requirement is death well guess what jesus died for you so that you wouldn't have to die 
in your sin because of your sin. He took it. So is everybody in? Yes, everyone is in. Does everybody know they're in? Unfortunately, they do not. And how can you tell? Well, you can tell by how they're acting. They don't think they're in. Religious people don't think that they're in. They're working. They don't, they keep working harder and harder and harder for God because they don't think they're good enough. They don't think they're in. Well, it's time to accept the gospel, the gospel of God's grace that you're in. What about in the world? They don't think about God. Well, they obviously don't think they're in because they don't even think about him. So you have this happening all over the place. And God knows this, but he shines his light in our hearts. Everybody, he shines his light in our hearts. And then when he shines his light, you go, oh, there you are. You were always there in my heart. You never left me. That was just me thinking that you were gone because I wasn't paying attention. And then you look and he's like, yep, I've been here the whole time. And then you say, I'm so glad. And then he shows you things in your life. He shows you the times in your life where he was with you, where he helped you. He never rejected you. He never left you. He never forsook you. He's always been there. This is what God wants us to know. What about my sin, he says. I took care of that on the cross. I bore your sin. I bore the entire brunt of it so that you would be righteous. And now I declare a righteous judgment, like it says in the book of Isaiah. I call you righteous, legally, holy, before God. Not by your works, but by the finished work of what Jesus did. And then that puts it to rest. Once and for all. If you forget, just remind yourself. It's what Jesus did for me that makes me righteous. I accept that. So now, if you're righteous, act righteous. Because you believe it. Some people teach, I'm righteous, I can act how I want. Well, that's not actually believing that you're righteous, is it? (laughs) Because you're acting how you want. You should act righteous because you are righteous. You know what I'm saying? So this is the message of the gospel, that God has brought us into himself He takes little things that are unimportant to the world and he makes great things out of them. To go low and humble before the Lord, you will see miracles. You will see things that are beyond your imagination because you have given that thing that you think is insignificant to the Lord. And when you give that thing that you think is insignificant to the Lord, he expands it in ways that you could not even imagine. So give of in here. What scripture you got? Right. So why would you not please God without faith? It's not because God is requiring faith. It's because that's how you interact. Remember, faith is believing in the thing that is unseen. Knowledge is something that's seen. So how would you be pleasing to God in the sense of, how can I please God through my works? You're not pleasing God through your works. You're pleasing to God because you believe that Jesus accepts you. That's called faith. <laughs> that's how, that's what's pleasing. 
What's pleasing is when you switch from your own effort or your own ability to make faith and you switch from that to resting in the fact that Christ has done the work for you, that he has completed that work, that's how you find the pleasing status. What did Jesus do when he was baptized by John? He was baptized, he came out of the water. And what did the voice from heaven say? Who is the father? This is my son. I am well pleased with him. Well, what had he done? Well, at that point, he hadn't done anything. His ministry hadn't even, his public ministry hadn't started. But we are pleasing to God because of our faith in Jesus. Not because we did something with our faith. We please God because we believed the gospel, the good news. The good news puts us in a pleasing status. Pleasing. What's pleasing? That we would live out of the life of Christ in us. That's pleasing. Live from that life. Live apart from this lost mentality, this idea that I have to add more stuff to my life to please God. Your faith pleases you, is, is pleasing to him. What does that mean? That means he's done the work. He's completed it. Now I live my life out of what he's completed in me already. I don't have to add to it. He's done it all. So it has to do with the lens in which we see things. How do we see it? Do we see it as in me having to earn more from God? Or do we see it as the fact that Jesus completed the work and now I live my life as a son of God, a child of God, a holy, righteous person cleansed by Jesus' blood? I just live that way. It's just me. Holy me. <laughs> it's holy me. This is how I live. What if I screw up? Well, if you screw up, stop it. <laughs> It's kind of like, I keep, this wall is not moving. I keep running into it. Stop running into the wall. <laughs> Turn, exactly. Nope, that's right. Turn. Turn means change your mind. Change your mind. This isn't working. Change your mind. We call it repentance, but it's actually called metanoia. Metanoia means to change your mind. I changed my mind. What is it? I used to think that the best way would be to run into this wall over and over again. My head says no. God's told me, change my mind. I'm turning. I'm turning from this. Yeah. So anyway, so what God's done in us is great. Um, he's put a treasure within us. Our body is the seed. There is great things that he's going to do in our lives. He can restore time that was lost, that we think was lost. He will restore it to us. So we don't ever, nothing is ever lost in him. He restores everything and makes them all beautiful. He knows how to do it. He's a pro. He is the you got to trust, trust the pro. God's the pro. He knows how to do this thing, okay? He's had a lot more experience than us, so we just trust him to restore things. If something was stolen or lost from you, ask God, God, I'd like this restored back to me. You know, he will restore things that have been stolen. He will. I've watched him do it many times. He'd be like, oh, that was taken from me. I, I would like that restored, Lord. He will restore it to you. Everything. And he actually sees it already. He's probably in the process of restoring it right now. You know, so just trust him that he'll restore anything that the enemy has taken. Anything that has been taken or through, the enemy didn't take it. I did something stupid. Guess what? He can restore that too. I deserve it though, Lord. But say, Lord, I'm not doing that no more. Okay. Can I have that restored? And he will restore it because he loves us so much. But turn from it. Don't keep doing that thing. You know, stop it. You know, people, people want to, they, they want to change. They want something restored, but they don't want to change their behavior. 
well, change what got you in that position in the first place. Because <laughs> you're going to restore it, and then you're going to lose it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> But he gave us the Spirit, and the Spirit gives us wisdom, so we don't do the same things over and over again that we shouldn't be doing. So We are, and we have it within us. Remember, it's within us, and it kind of comes up into our mind from our heart. So that's a different interaction. It's not from here to here, but from here to here. So not from in, not from up to down, but from down to up. Yep, from heart to mind. So, so trust the Lord. He's bringing things to pass. Um, things that you think aren't happening are happening, but we trust him because things do take some time. There is sometimes, but some things do happen immediately. Those are miracles. God does this stuff too. So don't leave that out of the question. That can happen too, okay? Trust the Lord. He will bring it to pass, okay? Let's pray. Okay, Father, thank you for your message today, your word for us today, that you are bringing things to pass, that you are making things good, that you are a restorer of all things, that you've given us the Spirit, and the Spirit teaches us the deep mysteries of the kingdom of God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the word of God that we shared today, the many different scriptures that we shared today. Father, I thank you that we can look them up, that we can go through those scriptures, that we can meditate on those things, and we can see what you have done in our lives. We love you, we thank you, and we just rest in you today. We cease from our own work, and we rest in Jesus' finished work. In Jesus' name, amen.